Thank you for listening to an audio resource from Stanwich Church, located in Greenwich and Stamford, Connecticut. The vision of Stanwich Church is to know Christ and make him known. The gospel lesson for today is from Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. This can be found on pages 964 of your pew Bible. In this passage, Jesus explains that our motives for acts of sacrifice and service must be to please and glorify God, rather than to seek the attention and admiration of others. A reading from Matthew chapter 6, beginning with the first verse. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then we will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they might be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. Every Sunday morning before the Sunday morning worship services, our ministry team comes together to pray for you and for the day. And we pray for blessing and protection over each of you and your families. We pray for the Holy Spirit to be present in our services, which we don't take for granted. And almost always during our prayer team, someone on the ministry team prays something like this. Lord Jesus, now in alignment with John the Baptist, we ask that we would decrease so that Jesus, you could increase. Jesus, we ask that each person would leave these services today, not talking about us, but rather talking about you and how faithful and just and merciful and kind and mighty and loving you are. I love this prayer. And I mention it not only because I love it, but because it's in alignment with our sermon title for this morning. You may have noticed that in your bulletin, our sermon title's a little odd. It's the disciples live for God's glory. We're in the midst of our series and we're in the second week called Kingdom Living. And we're still in what is most likely the greatest sermon ever preached in history. And that's the Sermon on the Mount by Jesus. I was giving Pastor Heather a hard time last week before she got up to preach. And I said, no pressure, Heather, but I can guarantee you your sermon won't be as good as when it was originally given by Jesus. (laughs) And I can say the same is true for me this morning. By the way, Heather, you did a wonderful job. And if you remember, Heather talked about what the blessed life looks like according to the kingdom of God and the counterintuitive way in which we arrive at the blessed life. And now in Matthew chapter six, we pick up a little later in Jesus' sermon, and we're going to look at specifically why those of us living, operating in Jesus' kingdom, perform certain religious practices. And Jesus, he's going to speak on three very common religious practices in first century Judaism at the time. And that's giving to those in need, fasting, and prayer. 
And this morning, we're going to zero in on one of those specifically, and that's giving to those in need. And what we're going to see is in the kingdom, God, he actually cares more about why we give to those need, those in need, in need rather than what we give. You see, Jesus, he actually expects us to give to those in need. However, that reason why is what he's much more concerned about. So let's dive into Matthew chapter six, starting in verse three, to take a look at that first truth in Jesus' sermon that he expects us to give to those in need. It says this, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Notice Jesus' language. He leaves no room for ambiguity here. He says, when you give to the needy, not if you give to the needy. He'll go on to say, when you pray, not if you pray. And he'll say, when you fast, not if you fast. So the implication for us is simple. And that's as participants or adherents to the kingdom of God, our Lord Jesus, he expects us to give to those in need. He expects us to pray and to fast. If you all were in the U.S. Army right now, I would call these things specified tasks. In other words, these are tasks from your commander, Jesus, that have been specifically laid out for you in his order, right, that he's written right here in the Bible. And if we just stayed right here and I said, okay, church, here's your homework. Go give to those in need, go pray and go fast. I actually have a little bit of a problem with that as a pastor. And that's because if I just gave you that homework simply, I'd be giving you the homework of many other major religious groups in the world. There are many others that practice these same things. So this begs a question then. What makes these practices different in God's kingdom? What makes these practices different in following Jesus? And what we're going to see in this passage is it's this, that Jesus, he actually cares more about our motivations. In other words, why we do these things than just doing them. You see, he's more concerned with our inward nature than our outward image. Jesus, he illustrates this point clearly, in fact, with his disciples in the temple in Luke chapter 21. He uses a living illustration with them. It says this, Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. Jesus says that this widow that placed two pennies in the offering gave more than the wealthy. Now, obviously, he doesn't mean financially. There were plenty of people giving much larger financial gifts than she gave. But here's the thing. She gave everything. She gave it all. It's as if this woman was like, Lord, I trust you with my entire being. And what she reveals in her gift is that she's much more concerned with God's affections 
than she is with the gift itself. You see, this widow, she was so focused on God, she sought him first, that in seeking him first, it actually informed her generosity, her giving. And this is so important because Jesus is going to go on in Matthew chapter 6 to essentially say this, that we can give to those in need and we can fast and we can pray all the time. And we can actually miss the entire point. So, okay, if the heart matters so much, then what's the wrong motivation for giving? What's the wrong heart posture? Well, Jesus, he really clarifies this for us in verses one and two. He says this, beware of practicing your righteousness, that's your good deeds, before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you'll have no reward from your father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Can you picture the scene with me for a moment? A wealthy man walking along the street and he passes by someone that's begging. And just imagine, he reaches into his pocket and takes out a wad of cash to hand this man. But before he does so, he takes out a trumpet that's wrapped around his belt. <laughs> and he blows the trumpet first. And he says, hey, everyone, look at me. Look at how generous I am. Then he hands the guy money. Or imagine if someone did this in our Sunday morning worship service. If during the offertory, as the plates were passed, as the plate passed to them, they pulled out some money, but before placing it in that plate, they took out a trumpet and they stood up and they blew said trumpet. And they said, hey, everyone, I just gave $500 to God. It's quite laughable, isn't it? It's incredibly ostentatious, to be honest. Now, did people blow trumpets in the first century? I've been doing some digging this past week in many different commentaries because I really wanted to find out if people actually did this. And it's funny, there are many different opinions in the commentaries. Some say, of course they did. The Pharisees had a trumpet that they wrapped around their waist. Others say, no, nobody ever did that. And either way, I think what Jesus is doing is he's trying to make a point here. And he's essentially saying in layman's terms, when you give to others, don't toot your own horn. When you give to those in need, don't call attention to that giving. Whether it's through giving of time, talent, or treasure. You see, his point is simple that when we give, if our sole motivation is to call attention to our generosity. In other words, if we give and we say, everyone, look at how generous we are, then we're wrong. And I want to stress for just a moment what Jesus isn't saying here, because I think people kind of get bent out of shape about this in Christianity. And we tend to add rules to the Bible that actually aren't there. We tell ourselves, whenever I do anything good, God forbid anyone ever sees it, because then I'm wrong. That's not what Jesus is saying. In fact, earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this, let your light shine before men 
that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Jesus, he's not contradicting himself here. But instead, what he's saying is don't let your soul motivation be your image. Don't let your soul motivation for your righteous acts be being seen by other people. And there are many modern examples of this, this in our world. For example, when a large corporation gives a donation to a specific foundation, they do it often precisely to be seen by others. Essentially, they're saying, hey, look at us, world. Look at how generous we are. Now buy our product. And this isn't only true about large corporations. This is true of individuals as well. You can drive all over Greenwich and see properties that are named after people that have given large donations for those properties. So what does Jesus call people like this? People that only give attention to themselves. Well, he has some strong language here. He calls them hypocrites. The word here in Greek is Hippocrates. We've transliterated it into English as hypocrite. And this is a common word used in the first century to describe actors. Jesus says, people that do this, people that give only to be seen by others, they're performers. They're actors. They're playing the part of being religious or pious. And I want to qualify the word hypocrite for us because I actually think we use the word incorrectly often today. A hypocrite is not someone that has a standard that they don't live up to. That's just called being human. No, a hypocrite rather is someone living a double standard. In other words, they look one way with one group of people, an entirely different way with another group. Or they look one way in public, but entirely different in private. The double standard is what a hypocrite is. You see, Jesus, he's concerned here with cultivating an image of righteousness without actually being inwardly righteous. So what's the result of this double life? What's the result of only doing acts of righteousness before other people to be seen by them? Well, Jesus says right here, if we do this with our prayer, our fasting, or our giving, then we should enjoy the applause because that's our reward. Your name on the side of that building, enjoy it because that's it. Those people thinking you're super spiritual after that beautiful prayer you prayed in public, that's your reward. So, okay, okay, this is the wrong motivation for giving. Then what does right look like? I mean, I just said a few minutes ago, this is a specified task from our commander himself, Jesus. He tells us to do it. So what does right look like? Well, to see what right looks like, we have to look at verses three and four because Jesus, he really explains it to us well, I think. He says this, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Essentially what he means there is don't pat yourself on the back and say, oh man, I'm so generous, I'm doing great. He goes on, so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. See, here's the correct motivation. We give, not because others see, 
but rather we give because God sees and he honors that giving. And when we give in secret, something amazing happens. He is given the glory. And I want us to think about him being given the glory for a moment because it's rather countercultural to everything we've been taught, especially in the modern world. Think about it with me for a moment. Everything we've been raised in is about glorifying ourselves. There are billion dollar companies that run social media pages that are all designed for us to promote ourselves, to sell ourselves. And we actually idolize people that do this really well. We call them celebrities and we wanna be like them. But the kingdom of God, it's the opposite. See, in the kingdom, we're not called to glorify or sell ourselves because the kingdom of God, it's not really about us. It's about God and his glory. Therefore, when we give, we do so not to be seen by others, but rather to be seen by him. Or let me put it another way. As Christians, we live for an audience of one. And when I say an audience of one, I don't mean that we have an audience of one as in we do these good things to receive God's approval because we already have God's approval in Christ Jesus. But rather we have this audience of one who watches us so that we can glorify, honor, and bless him. And here's the beautiful thing about living for an audience of one when we do so. It actually simplifies our lives. It frees us up to be congruent and to not look different, to be the same in front of whoever we're with. You see, when we live for an audience of one, it helps us recognize something so centering for us. And that's that God's kingdom, believe it or not, church, you're not the central character. It's not actually about you. Nor does his kingdom hinge on your faithfulness. Rather, it hinges on the faithfulness of Jesus. And I want to say, congregation, as your pastor, I think many of you get this right because you give of your time, your talent, and your treasure well. In fact, I envy a lot of you because I think you get this better than I do. Much of my job is public. You guys see what I do. But most of what you do is in private. You serve at coffee hour. You make food at home for New Covenant Center. You write care notes to those in need in the congregation. You watch babies in the nursery. You care for the homeless. And almost all these things you do in private. Even your financial giving to the church is done in private. You may not know this, but we pastors and ministry leaders, we have no idea what you give. Don't worry, the stewardship committee, the finance team, they know, and they steward it very wisely. But we don't know. And I mention this because there's a tension here. A lot of you serve all the time and you might feel unappreciated. And I want you to hear this from us pastors. We appreciate you. We appreciate your giving. We appreciate when you put in your time, your talent and treasure to God's kingdom. In fact, we wouldn't exist as a church without your giving. But we don't make a big deal out of your giving. We don't call attention to it at Sandwich, not because it's not a big deal. The reason we don't make a big deal out of it is because we're more concerned with your soul 
with what's going on with you internally. And that's what Jesus is far more concerned with as well. And not only that, but we also want you to get the best reward, the reward in the life to come. You see, Jesus, he talks about this reward here. And what I find so interesting is I think when we get to glory one day, we're gonna be incredibly surprised because the majority of saints that have served Jesus faithfully throughout the centuries have done so in secret and therefore they're unknown to us. But in the kingdom, in heaven, we're gonna know who they are. In fact, I can almost guarantee you that there's probably an older woman serving right now at an orphanage in Uganda. We have no idea what her name is. And she'll be way ahead of me in the line into heaven. Right, because this is the kingdom of God. And here's the incredible thing. We don't know who gives what, but God does. You see, he sees that and he honors that giving. And in order to look at someone that lived this life perfectly, someone that was fully congruent, someone that was fully focused on the kingdom of God, I don't think we have to look any further than Jesus himself. You see, Jesus, he was focused on the best reward. And because he was focused on the best reward, he gave up the recognition of heaven to be born into a poor family in Bethlehem. Jesus, the king of kings, gave up his glory to become an unknown servant. And ultimately, his life of service to the kingdom of God led him to his own death for you and me on a cross. And here's the thing about the cross. The cross was not designed to make celebrities. In fact, the cross was designed to do the opposite. The Roman Empire, they designed the cross and the crucifixion not only to kill someone, but to obliterate them as if they never existed. Most of those crucified throughout history had no burial and their bodies were eaten by animals after their deaths and they're not remembered. And Jesus, he did not go to the cross for that glory, but rather he went to the cross for you and for me. And because he was much more concerned with the kingdom of God than he was with his own well-being or his own reputation. And now he calls us to likewise do the same, to give to those in need around us, not for our own glory, but for his glory. You see, friends, here's the beautiful thing about giving in secret. When we give in secret, expecting nothing in return, expecting no recognition, it's then that we're never more like Jesus himself. Thanks be to God. To learn more about the mission and vision of Stanwich Church and how you can get involved, please visit stanwichchurch.org.